Hello, and welcome to the Mordinary Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Meredith. And we are the Moors. We are ordinary people who have experienced more than ordinary circumstances. Settle in as we discuss ordinary life and its extraordinary potential. So, welcome back to the Mordinary Podcast. And today we are talking about our journey through fertility and the trauma of infertility. And we first want to just explain the effects of spinal cord injury on fertility and how that how the journey kind of started for us. So it really first started in the hospital when the urologist came in the, in the hospital room and kind of, t- kind of gave us an idea that when a male sustains a spinal cord injury, his sperm count drops to like zero, he stopped producing, and then gradually your body will start producing again, maybe, and you'll know pretty much where you're going to be after about a year. Yeah. So everything is kind of just shut down for a year. So we were basically just in a holding pattern for that whole first year after the accident. Right. Just waiting to see just what kind of what kind of response my body would have to the to the trauma of the spinal cord injury. So in the the accident, my tra- spinal cord injury happened in the fall of 2008. So one year later, in the fall of 2009, we started our journey. Yeah. So we then we're ready to kind of start talking because we had talked before the accident thinking we were going to start having children we were just about to start that journey of trying yeah and then the accident happened like literally a month before this happened we were going to start building their family we were getting ready to start that so this was obviously something that we wanted to investigate and keep going with because mm-hmm. we both wanted to be parents. It was definitely about that both. When we got married. It was definitely on both of our minds in the hospital. Absolutely. Like that was like, what is it? What does that mean for the family, our family? Yeah, because they kept telling us like that gets affected right away in males, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh. Okay, and so what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. So our first step in the fall of 2009 was to first test you. Right. And check your ability. So the, before we went into the whole trip to see if I could, if I had the ability to have children, we first had to have you do some testing on your end. Yep. And so the gynecologist asked us, you know, to start with the temperature checks. Um, so every morning we did that for a few months, tracked it, charted it. If any of you have done that as females, you know what that's like and just tracking your whole cycle and knowing when ovulation's happening and all that and that affects your body temperature so that's what they wanted to know and then to see just how consistent I was and things like that that's important in the fertility world so that's what they had me do and then they also did testing Um, I'm looking at Johnny's notes and he calls it plumbing wow (laughs) Meredith's plumbing checking oh Oh, you know what I mean that's funny checking the integrity Um, of it's not the wording I would use, uh, but yes, they did check my plumbing. Um, <laughs> I didn't know I was full of pipes. Um, Sorry, tubes. So, tubes. Um, but anyway, yeah, they did that testing of they go in with iodine, or I, I'm not sure exactly what they, they did, and just to make sure that everything is there that's meant to be there. Everything's and there and intact. There were and... no issues or yeah. it, with that. And so, for me, that looked great. Everything looked great. So that was encouraging for us, so then we kept going. So we got the go-ahead from your doctor. Yep, everything looks good on Meredith's end. Let's let's have John look into his. So 
the closest place to us that does that has a urologist that specializes in spinal cord injuries is at the University of Michigan. So um, despite our best judgment, we went to the University of Michigan, that school up north, and had them extract a sample from me and just to, and for them to see just what my fertility was, what the what the count was, and what the movement was like. And they take them out and they wash them and mm -hmm. and see just. It's a whole process, but we went up there once for the extraction, and then we returned home and had a pretty frank conversation with each other. I think we both, I think we said we're going to have a conversation. Before we had that conversation, we both want to just kind of be like each ourselves come to think about the process and how far we'd be willing to go. And that way we, we could come to the conversation prepared for, okay, we're going into this fertility world. We've heard story after story of how expensive it is and how it's easy to get kind of in a cycle and, and just keep throwing more money at it. And we didn't want um, to get too far. We wanted to be um, on both on the same page as far as how far we were willing to go and what we were comfortable with. I, yes. I think also we knew our emotional state mm -hmm. and some of the counseling that we had kind of already started through the year of processing your accident, I think we learned that it's so good to get grounded before you make a big emotional decision. Yeah. Um, and we knew that fertility comes with trauma and we kind of had an idea what trauma feels like and what it brings. And so we just wanted to be as prepared since we weren't prepared for our first trauma. Maybe we could be a little bit more prepared and talk, have a chance to talk about, hey, I know going into that room I'm going to have so many emotions. Let's have a conversation before we get to that point and mm -hmm. not make a decision based on emotion. Let's make that decision where we we're in a an environment where we can just talk it all out. Mm -hmm. So that was really important to us. And looking back, we see huge value in that for our own marriage and us as individuals in making this decision. Yeah, we and and through this whole process, we as you guys remember our previous episode with Dr. Butts, where we talked about how at this point we were really meeting with our counselor on a regular basis and had that relationship with him yes. built, and that really helped us navigate through these conversations, yes. and helped us come more prepared to those conversations, and it really and I think we actually had some of the conversations with him. We did, and, and we did our work. Process. We knew all the stages. Mm -hmm. We knew, okay, if this doesn't work, are we good with the next stage? If that yeah. doesn't work, are we good with the next stage? And we knew financially what we had mm -hmm. and what and what we were comfortable what with. What we were and, comfortable yeah. um, with. Unfortunately, finances have to be a part of this decision, and yeah. um, so that was something we had to realistically talk about. And I think, um, and also the effects of the body and and. Hormone shots and, yeah, and, and I, the invasiveness I, of it and the extraction of eggs. For and, me personally, yeah. I, I knew walking into this, I am already surviving. Do I want to pump myself with a bunch of hormones? At the time, for me personally, it was no. Um, I was nervous. I was yeah. really was nervous that it could affect me in a negative way. Um, so that was something that we considered and we talked about together just real raw and honest we laid out every 
circumstance. Yep. How do you feel? How do you feel about this? How do you feel about this? Right. Um, what, it, it was what, not what an if, easy what if, conversation. What if this happens? But but then what if this happens? And we played out the different scenarios and really talked about how we how we both fell on each of the different scenarios and what we were and were comfortable with. And you know, we, and we're, we haven't really said the terms yet, but you know, there's artificial insemination and there's in vitro fertilization and there's you know the, the prospects of a sperm donor, prospects of an egg donor, uh, prospects of, of adopting an embryo. I mean, there were there's tons of avenues to go down. So we just kind of laid it all out. Yep. Had those terms out there where we both were on the same page and just came to a conclusion that you and I were comfortable with going as far as artificial insemination. Yes. And we weren't comfortable with those with those other things for for a whole plethora of reasons but we we had come to the conclusion that artificial insemination was was what we were comfortable with so then we went back to the university of michigan where they had gotten our uh, my results from my extraction and their tests and then we took with us or they had also had meredith results from all of her tests so they were looking at the whole picture and we were sitting in their office and they were going over it with us. And really, they started talking about in vitro fertilization and artificial insemination. And they and they used the phrase less than a 1% chance. So, yeah, we went up to the University of Michigan and we knew walking into the room that we didn't know exactly what your numbers were. We didn't know how strong your numbers were and how strong um, everything was going to be on your side. We knew from my side that the plumbing, I guess we're going with, was good, but my cycle was inconsistent. So, and I, it always had been. I, I, I think a lot of athletes, that, that was kind of my thing. I was an athlete always growing up and it kind of got affected my cycle. So we kind of knew that going in that I was already mm-hmm. irregular. So we didn't know how much that would affect things going into this whole, putting both results together. How yeah. will that look? So when we walked in, yeah, the doctor really kind of went over things. And like we had already told you guys, we did go in educating ourselves. So we kind of knew when he started talking, we kind of knew what he was what he was getting at and talking to. We just kind of sat there with him and he just kept kind of dancing along, mm-hmm. which I can't imagine what it has to be like when he knows in his head what he's really trying to tell us. And a young couple who are eager, wanting mm-hmm. this so badly he, he just kept saying, you know, we could try it. We could try it. And if that doesn't work, then we'll do this. And so for us, knowing that we just wanted to, you got to be honest with us because we don't want to go into this. Yeah, so we really nailed him down. We said, all right, just give us percentage-wise, how how much of a chance do we have of success with in vitro fertil- um, artificial insemination? So he gave us a less than a 1% chance of success with artificial insemination yeah and and i think that's when it really hit us that based on our previous conversation and based what we had decided on and with that kind of a result that we realized that biological children just weren't in our future yeah when i heard that number tears just fell from my face because in my eyes for us we heard zero chance yeah so it was a, it was a hard hit, and um, I kind of grew silent. Yeah, I remember 
being very silent. I remember just kind of being in shock. And, I, and, it, and it, you know, like we go back to our five days of grief, it really was just shock in the office. Like I, at the time, I couldn't quite wrap my head around just how how big what he's saying was. Like he's telling me I'm not going to have biological children. Yes. And at that point, me grasping that and getting my head around that in the moment, I, I wasn't able to do it at that time. That time my parents lived in a suburb close to Toledo. That's where I grew up. In, I don't know, 45-minute drive, yeah. roughly. I don't think we really said much in the car, and that's not like us. Yeah, it was a very it quiet car ride. Very quiet, but not mad at each other. We didn't have any of that. It was just like, like yeah, never, whoa. Never through this process do I think either of us were ever mad at each other. No. I think we were really angry at the situation. We were angry at the results. Uh, we were angry that we were in that. So it kind of resurfaced all the previous trauma from the spinal cord injury. It's like another thing this whole thing has caused. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. think it just kind of resurfaced a lot of that and kind of Absolutely. opened up that wound of the, of the initial trauma. It did. Um, and again, at this time, we're 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So it, it's fairly young. Yeah. Fairly young. Yep. Um, and so we, we drove back to my parents' house because... They, that's where we had stayed the night and I just I just remember seeing my mom and she just sat with me and she goes what'd they say and I just broke I mm-hmm. broke down like that incontrollable cry you know that you just gotta do you gotta get it all out that that good ugly cry mm-hmm. just came out and I remember seeing Johnny off to my peripheral vision, probably in my head. I'm like, he must think, like, what? She was fine in the car. <laughs> but I, I, I think I just I just let it all out. And with my mom, I remember we both sat on the edge of a bed. And mm-hmm. she just held me and just said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny. We go back to the stages of grief. And I think the, uh, like the sadness and depression was your dominant one for this for this trauma uh for me it was guilt yeah i felt like which i felt bad yeah i mean i i i fell into the just i would say as worse if not worse guilt than i did from the initial spinal cord injury from the initial accident i just felt like wow i have taken her dream of being a mom away from her just had this overwhelming guilt attached to that and it, it was just it was just a really, really tough time. And, and it, it really was the second punch. Like, it was this tough jab in September of 08 when the accident happened. And then this huge left cross that just, I felt like, just knocked us out. Yeah. Like, it, it was, was like, a tough one. we were already weakened. We mm-hmm. were already kind of trying to keep our balance. And then it just, this one just um, knocked us flat. And it, it was really hard. And I think a lot of marriages struggle with that, with fertility. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a strain. Luckily, we, we never put that on each other. I'm just so thankful that we both just saw this, that we're a team in this. Mm-hmm. And we're going to just take each thing within stride. But we had, we had to face the hurt. We had to face the, the outcomes that we didn't really expect. And that wasn't really part of our, you know, quote unquote plan. And that was hard. It was very hard. And, and it did 
it, it did it was hard for both of us to see each other struggle in the way that we struggled yeah I hated that you felt guilt because it was an accident it wasn't your fault you couldn't help it and then you probably felt awful that I just was sad all the time yeah unfortunately for me I cried for months it wasn't just on the bed with my mom it was mm -hmm. almost every day well and and let's go a little further on that while and during this time we had people in our life that were pregnant you were going you were being invited and going to baby showers it was just it was a very fertile time for our community yeah <laughs> and that just magnified the pain well, I also worked at a preschool at the time, and if you've ever worked mm -hmm. at a preschool, you know people it's just in, moms with babies. People are in the childbearing season yes. of their life, and you have a front row seat to it, and it just, every time, it just, it was constant reminders. It was like when I was in the fire service and listening to the tones drop, yeah. and having that reminder that I lost that career, you were facing these constant reminders that you lost yeah, the not only would, yeah. would I see this, and I think women who have gone through infertility know the question I'm about to say that I would get all the time. They see a young mm -hmm. married couple. What question do you get asked? So when are you going to have kids? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So hard. It is so hard when they're asking that, and they have no idea what you're going through. Yeah. And you just put that smile on. You say, oh, we'll see. Yep. Hopefully soon, yep. you know, and... You want to at the time, like, just be like, can we go get coffee and I'll cry in the corner with you right. and tell you. <laughs> but no, you can't do that. And yeah. you don't want to do that. It, it was yeah, very they, hard. Because the, the people that ask that question and the people that ask have the best of intentions and they just want, they're curious and they know that you're in that season of life just like they are and they all want to create connection and that and that's natural. Right. Um, so we were down in that kind of that valley and going through those stages of just shock and anger and depression and bargaining. And, you know, we really went through those five stages all over again. And then at some point you were just quiet with God and just crying out to him. Yes. It was one of the many times I was crying <laughs> on the bed. Yeah. It was a weekend, I believe. And I was just bawling yet again out to God, you know, why, why, I wanted this so bad, you know, and I remember verbally saying it out loud. I'm not sure where you were at this time, but just verbally saying like out of, you know, watching my husband get extremely hurt and have his life completely flipped upside down. Now you flipped my, my, my want, my, my yearning of always wanting to be a mom and know what it's like to have a baby in my stomach. Like that's not an option now. Like why? Why would you do that? Mm -hmm. We know other couples that have spinal cord injuries, and that came back for them. They mm -hmm. were able to do it, even naturally. And it was just like, ah, like, it just hurt so much. And it wasn't like this audible noise. It, it was just like this thing that came over me of saying, I didn't say no. Yeah. I didn't say no. And it was so refreshing to finally hear something after so many months of just crying almost. At, I mean, pretty much every day, I would have to say. It was probably every day. I think you'd probably agree. But if yeah. I wasn't crying, I was like staring off like a zombie. It was an odd time in our house. It was, <laughs> sure and, and, it was. And not, and not just because of your reaction, but it's just both of us. We were both going through these going through these just struggles and going through these steps. And, and the beautiful thing about that 
season of our life was that we were not face-to-face attacking this thing and risking attacking each other, but we were shoulder-to-shoulder. And we had this battle in front of us, and we were both attacking it side-by-side. And staying shoulder-to-shoulder and staying side-by-side attacking this problem and, and going through these steps kept us from turning and attacking each other because we were we were we were together in it yeah and then you you got this overwhelming feeling of I didn't say no and and I think at first it was kind of like what do you mean yeah (laughs) you know like 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 okay so what route are we taking like what you know what's our steps yeah and so I I I knew just because he'd already put other things on my heart of adoption Hmm. I knew what he mean meant was I didn't say no to the life you've always wanted. I didn't say no to kids. I didn't say no to a family. It just looks a lot different than what you thought. Mm-hmm. And that's what I figured out after I, I took what he said and I was like, okay, what? show me. Show me what does that mean. What, yeah. If you didn't say no, what does that mean? And so that's what he showed me. And so that's when we began our adoption journey, which will be our next podcast that we'll get to share with you. Yeah, and that journey started in early 2010. And, and you know, and that takes us from the fall of 09 until the first few months of 10. It, it, you know, it was really, thinking back a short period of time, but that was a dark, probably year. five or six months. Altogether, a whole year. A whole yeah. year, yeah. And that, that was just a really tough year. And, boy... We just, we know of other people who have gone through the fertility route and people that have had great success with it and other people who have had awful, awful paths and just very, very painful paths. And just, we just pray for empathy when you know someone's going through infertility and facing the the hurdles of of infertility, no matter what route they take, whether that's in vitro or artificial insemination or, or, you know, adoption, adoption of an embryo or however, or surrogate, however, just having empathy of knowing just what kind of trauma they're experiencing. And it is very, very tough road. It is tough. And it's, I know from my friend's standpoint, it was hard for them too because I just shut down. Mm-hmm. I only had enough energy to wake up, go to work, and come home. Yep. And even my, you know, my best friend, she's like, I really didn't know what was going on until I was ready to really tell her. Mm-hmm. And no, you know, no, she didn't do anything wrong. It just, I couldn't. I didn't have the energy. And so for you to know that as, as a friend of you, if you know a friend that's going through that and if they're starting to withdraw, just sit with it with them, be, be there, try not to add too much because they're exhausted just yeah. functioning for the day, yeah. processing, what does this mean for me? Well, especially if, and, and it's even magnified even more when the person's going through treatments of getting sh- hormone yes. shots and... And just the they're emotions, too. they're painful, the emotions and the, and the emotional yes. roller coasters that come with those and, and just riding that wave with them and just sometimes just being quiet, but just being there, mm-hmm. making them know that they're not alone. Um, cause sometimes you feel so alone cause you don't always know somebody else going through it. You know, this isn't something somebody puts a Facebook post, Hey, we're you know, yeah, it's not always a big public event, you know, and, and but but some of the social media has, which that wasn't yeah. for us at the time, Facebook wasn't what it is today, but there are groups out there. So if you mm-hmm. are going through something, 
definitely check that out because you you really aren't alone. Yeah. Even virtually, you could find somebody that maybe is you going just might through. not know by somebody yet. And there's definitely yeah. places to go find somebody that has been there before and has been down that road before. Yeah, it, it's it's a very sensitive, hard thing for females in particular. But I think even from the male standpoint. It's just as important to find mm-hmm. that support because you're trying to be support to your wife as well yeah. in this um, or your partner, depending on your situation. But I just think that it's such a sensitive time because it is a miracle to happen to have a child. If you're there to support somebody, like we've said before, anything, you just need to be present mm-hmm. as much as you can without being overbearing. And yeah. let them guide you. Let them help you know when to step in and whatnot. Yeah. Well, that really sets up the next stage of this, and that's our adoption journey. And we're really excited to share that. So definitely watch for us for a future episode for our adoption story. That's a, that's a fun one. So um, thank you for giving us your time today. And we, we know that's not always easy, but thank you for your time. And we will catch you next time.